welcome back to another episode of Bloodthirsty Times. I'm your host, Emily. I'm Octavio, and this week it's Will who is out sick, so he will be cheering us on from the sidelines this week. So let's dive right in. Today's story is a real-life what-the-fuck. I mean, most of our stories are like that, but this one has so many twists and turns. There's the usual fucked-up childhood, which leads to a very disturbing series of events, but I mean, this story is so crazy that even Jeff Bezos is part of it. Kind of, but you'll see. So sit back, add shit to your cart, always choose prime shipping, and join us in these bloodthirsty times. Serial killers do on a small scale what governments do on a large one. They are a product of the times, and these are bloodthirsty times. Hello again. So today's story is on Todd Christopher Samsell, and you may have never heard of him, but he was born on March 7th of 1971 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. He was raised in South Carolina and Georgia, though, by his parents, William and Regina. In 1973, at the age of two, his parents divorced and his mother gained full custody of him. When Todd was five years old, his mother married another man, Carl Colehep. And that may be a name you're more familiar with. Carl adopted Todd into his family, and their family grew, and he gained two step-siblings. Todd Colehep had a very dysfunctional childhood. And as we read a lot about children of divorce and parents getting remarried, it's always complicated. After his parents' divorce, he spent time with his abusive grandfather and moved around often. There were psychological reports that found that Todd Colehep had an unhealthy relationship with his stepfather and often wanted to live with his biological father, who he had not even seen for eight years. Yeah, that's usually a regular thing. Um, it's always like when there's a divorce or some, like, there's always a stepfather who he doesn't even want to, like, live with. Always bring it back to um, Richard Speck. He famously hated his uh, stepfather and always wanted to steal his fake leg and uh, beat him with it. So, you know. Wait, what? Yeah. Uh, Richard Speck had a stepdad after his dad passed away and he had like a peg leg or something like that or a and fake he leg. And beat him with it? Yeah. He would steal like his crutches and like take the fake leg and like beat him with it. <laughs> they, they both hated each other. But I don't mean to laugh. But that's pretty funny. Like, I mean, come on. If you're going to do yeah. something to someone who's crippled like that and they're an asshole. Yeah. I mean, the, he did that because of the stepdad, uh, he was a dick too, for sure. He he definitely didn't respect the, the relationship at all. So it, it, that's why he did it. And it, he, like, it's just more examples of, it's not like a an every time thing, but it's definitely, it's definitely a common commonality between the stories we've told at least. Every time there's a, another parent stepping in seems to be kind of some troubled waters, I would say. Yeah, and in the story, like, it's really troublesome from the start because he does not have a solid foundation with, it seems, any adult figure that would be of in a protective manner, like a mom, a dad, a step, even a stepdad, a stepdad adopted him, gave him his name, you know, just... 
I think this is just one of those cases of a bag, bad egg from the beginning, but we'll get more into that and you'll find out why. So Cole Hepp was early on described as a textbook troublesome child. In nursery school, he was known to be aggressive toward, towards other children and would destroy their property just to be mean. He was not provoked. When he was nine years old, he started undergoing psychological counseling, which was very clearly needed. And according to his teachers, counselors, and anyone with eyes, they described Cole Hepp as being very explosive and preoccupied with sexual content. At nine? At nine years old. Okay, so um, I did watch a little bit of that documentary, the, the what is it called? The one on Prime? Um, the Devil something? The uh, serial killer something I thought or something like that. Yeah, anyways. But Just it did Google say, his name. You'll find it. It's on Amazon Prime. Yeah, but um, I, the parts I heard, like it, I didn't, couldn't really understand why they blamed the parents so much. Like what? It doesn't really go well, into all that much of like. It really doesn't go into a lot of. There are a lot of gaps in the story. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, but he, how could he you act not this blame way at nine? Yes, that's definitely like. We have a seven and a twelve-year-old. If they were to able to obtain sexually content material, it would be our fault. We were allowing that in our yeah. household and I mean, allowing not them even, to get it. Not even just like taking it that far to like sexual content or like being described as quote unquote explosive, but like days that me and you have arguments, like you know, massive fights, like just verbally yelling at each other. The next day or even later that day, our kids are assholes. You know what I mean? So kids absorb what's in their area. Kids absorb the feelings in the house so like what was going on that caused him to be so preoccupied with you know quote-unquote sexual content like at nine years old like that's intense that's that's some deep-seated shit that yeah and see it really doesn't go into much detail it doesn't that's what i'm saying the step siblings i don't know how old they were because the parents were divorced when he was two he was remarried and then i will go into further why i don't think it was the parents fighting or i mean fighting was probably a big deal but the sexual issue thing i don't think that that was brought on by the parents i don't know how old the step siblings were they could have been you know bringing it in but back in the day like didn't parents keep nudie magazines under their bed in the 70s or some shit like oh that? yeah i mean that's i mean we didn't have the internet so they had to keep it you know in a, a top of the closet in a drawer underneath socks you know somewhere they thought was hidden from the children but it never was it really is never hidden, ever. I've um, never seen a nudie magazine unless it was in a store. Really? I found, uh, I don't know if they were my dad's, but I've, I remember the, some apartments used to live and I found them in the top of the closet or something, some video or, or magazine. I don't remember what it was exactly, but it's I just, the, I don't understand it. Like I mean, that, that's, it grosses me out to think about it. Like people I mean, holding the magazine open, doing their thing. Yeah. That was, that's all they had though. Yeah. But they didn't then, have, okay. So recently i'm not gonna mention names but like a friend of mine and they're going through ivf they were given their specimen and like the magazine pages were stuck together that's gross nice yeah that's gross there's really no need for that you can just point it away from that they were being gross on purpose i think in that magazine room but um no okay so from the from the documentary uh that i watched earlier the reporter who was trying to get information they wouldn't they were really tight-lipped about he, like Cole Hip would talk about his stepdad and his stepdad would talk about Cole Hip, but he, both of them were just like, it's his fault. It's their fault. But they wouldn't really go into detail about why they fucking hated each other or what was going on. Like they're really cat and mouse with the information. Well, I think that 
we're about to get into a little bit of that, but it doesn't mm-hmm. touch fully. So, yeah. Um. Oh, you made me lose my place. No, I got you. Sorry. Okay. Uh. So, anyways, all of that was starting at age nine, which is scary to me because I can't even think of my twelve-year-old doing that kind of stuff. And God, a nine-year-old, jeez. Anyways, he also continued his acts of cruelty to animals and even shot a dog with a BB gun once and killed a goldfish by pouring a bottle of Clorox bleach in its tank and then sat to watch it die. That's ridiculous. There, That's sociopathic. It is it is terribly... Yeah, I think it's psychopathic because he's actually well, hurting he's, people. At that point, yeah, but at that point, I don't think that he... I think he had a bit of both but grew his psychoness as he got older yeah i mean the, there used to be this thing a lot of people still subscribe to it um but there used to be this thing called the mcdonald triad where um they would kind of try to anticipate if there were a serial killer by uh you know huge warning signs in this triad because there's three of them so you have setting fires um hurting animals and peeing the bed those are the huge three things that were See, like, oh, that that kid's a serial killer. I can't get behind it's that been, pee in the bed it's, thing. It's been debunked. It's that's not. I'm sure some commonalities are in those McDonald triads, but for the most part, just because a kid does those three things, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to go on to murder a bunch of people in a row. You know what I mean? So it's it, it can. No, they're just going to grow up beat her because ask Amber Heard, she shits the bed. She she does. Amber Heard does shit the bed. But yeah, like that McDonald triad is just like, I'm sure it's ha- it's helped a few times to like, yeah, that kid's going to murder people. We should probably be careful. And it's, they've probably been right. But it's not like a scientific fact that if you do these three things, then you're going to grow up and murder people. So well, I mean, that it's, worries it's, me because our child ripped a goldfish in half with his bare hands at the age of four. I just don't think he knew his toddler strength because he was very young. So he, we literally walked into his bedroom. And he had a goldfish. It was his first pet. He wanted it in his room. It, we got all of the fixings for it and everything. And it was a larger goldfish. And he literally, with his tiny little toddler hands, ripped that bitch in half. Yeah, well, he pulled it out of the he water and proud, then like, ripped it. But he no, just... like, I think he was trying to pet it like a dog or something. And then just ended up, like I said, toddlers don't know their own strength. He might have just gripped it too hard and just ripped it. I don't he know. He doesn't I don't... piss the bed. And he, didn't, he doesn't do the other thing. No. He said set fires yes like like i said Eh, yeah he does never mind (laughs) he does like fireworks and stuff like that that's normal normal kid shit but yeah like these i don't know if there's actually a scientifically proven like method of recognizing um things happening in a child that would be like yeah that kid is going to be a fucking menace to society we should probably lock him up now that's not fair because he hasn't done anything yet but you know that'd be some fucked up shit we live in a movie dystopian world if they could do that like hey you're gonna commit a crime um go ahead and it's called minority report right yeah with um tom cruise but anyways so like that's a messed up world like there's no way to tell for sure that you're encountering an actual fucking psychopath yes and there are different ways i couldn't remember the name of it but there are very much so like the major five ways to determine if a child or adolescent depending on the ages they do go by five major things and a lot of it 
does stem from genetic influences and behavioral social pressures during developmental process I mean, stages. So I think that a lot of people out there do have that like stuck in their head that you are born that way. And I have the mindset that you, it's you, the whole, you, you may have that in the back of your head that you are a little bit nuts and you could mm -hmm. have the best family and be raised and given everything and never, you know, be yelled at or anything. But in the back of your mind, you're always going to have that, you know, I want to kill a dog, you know, something's going to tick back there. But so this kind of sounds like you're talking about nature versus nurture slightly, but I don't believe that that's fully the case because there are people who were, you know, given the world treated like, you know, beaver cleaver, you know, what the hell is the name? Her, the mom's name, whatever. I don't know. Raised I like that. Of, um, nuclear families, what you're thinking of. And they grew up. Well, nuclear families are just all one thing. Whatever. People grow up and become what they want to become because maybe they've stifled that desire their entire lives because they knew it was wrong. And then once they're out of the, you know, the under out from under the thumb of the societal family they've been in and the you know name or whatever they decide yeah, well, that they're going to act well, I mean, out look at look at isei sagawa that dude his parents were or his dad was super rich and he had all the he had a great education they sent him to paris for college that kid that dude had life look made at the murdoff family yeah that's true too like they literally had everything and that family has gone to shit in and quickness like yeah but i think in this specific case Issei is more of a better example because he he knew that he wanted to do this he knew he's always known and he had a wonderful upbringing I mean, there was some slightly traumatizing things in childhood but nothing like other serial killers whose moms literally tried to sell them for three beers um maybe he had pica though like i'm still going with that flesh. yeah <laughs> yes but it's just like he knew he wanted to do that and he did contain his feelings for a long time and he was given the world by his father like, like i said he was sent to paris to go to school and learn fucking uh literature that that doesn't do anything you know what i mean he was given yeah, all the choices and, in the world and we'll touch on that that education doesn't you know it, that just because you are lucky enough to get an education doesn't mean that one you're deserving of it and two you use it correctly yeah as we'll get into as then we talked about we well we were recently on an episode of Baronormal and we talked about Dexter quite a bit, and that's a they a lot of people use him as an example because he has he calls it his dark passenger right he yeah. he has he's a smart dude he's a blood splatter analyst he knows I think he knows right from wrong in the show he's, an, he's a fictional character but he, he knows does know right from wrong and there it's based on an actual person I told you that but. Yeah, but he does that because those people have done wrong and he knows they're not gonna get caught. He does not go out to murder people just to murder people. He is no, not but he's done a that. murderer though. That's yeah, the no, point. I'm not saying he's right in doing it. I'm just saying he's in his mind like he's a but less like funny said, Deadpool. Right. He's uh yeah, much less funny. But he um he calls it his dark passenger. Like he can feel satiated for a while after a kill. He can feel like relieved, almost like he like it's 
the sexual thing. Right. He but... released sexual tension, I guess could be the easiest description of it. But he feels satiated. He feels like, okay, I can breathe again and not fully think about this 24-7. But eventually the dark passenger rears its head again. And he feels like he has to do it. It's a need. So, you know, I, I think yeah, people because... just have this in them. I don't know. I mean, I believe if you were given, and yeah, off topic slightly, but not really. I think that if you were in any circumstance, every single person on this earth, if they were put in that position, could do that. Like, I'm not saying they would seek out someone to do that just for the hell of it. But if it mm -hmm. came between me and, you know, you, bitch, it's you. If it came between my children yeah, and that's you, a survival instinct, though. That's yes. a little bit different. So, You're put in that position. These people saying, seek like, it out to, like, satiate a need. People. I think that that would change people in a that's lot a whole, of... I think that's a whole different situation. That's not, like, it's not... Everyone puts themselves before everyone else. That's just natural humanity. That's lizard brain shit. That's going back to the fucking dark ages where you had to breed to survive. It's your, your fucking ape brain, you know? Uh, and it's just is slightly different than feeling the need to just fucking stab someone in the face, you know? Mm -mm. I don't know. Because sometimes I, I feel that. Yeah, but you control it. Like, I don't know. I mean, do I? I as far as I know, I'm not stabbed in the face yet. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, back into it. Um... Todd Colehip's stepfather got more than he bargained for when he adopted a little boy, old Toddy. He expressed concern and attempted to get his adopted son help. He once stated that the only emotion his adopted son was able or was capable of was anger, and this led, th led them to send him to spend three and a half months in a Georgia psychiatric hospital as an inpatient because of his inability to get along with other children. I'm sure there's more details to that, but like, this was from the get that he, he was a child and he's sent away for the inability to get along with other children that were the, those were the exact words, not because he's harming them. Well, he was nine before that and he was born in 71. So 80, 81, 82. Yeah. Yes. I don't think they quite understood a lot of shit back then yeah because at four he was 14 and 86 so yeah yeah no i i know they didn't and like back then it it was boarding school was a you know pretty common thing so a lot of kids weren't even raised by their own parents but this is like just some generic ass reason to put your kid in a psychiatric hospital because you don't want to deal with him because he has anger problems i get it like i mean some kids I, just needs their fucking ass beat. I don't know. Like, it seems like psychi psychiatry in general was an up-and-coming thing at this point. I mean, they, um, what's this is around the time when the satanic panic really took off. So, like, a lot of things were just seen as evil or just misunderstood. So they labeled it something completely wrong. But it's just kind of like the times. Like, like I said, psychiatry was up-and-coming, not fully understood at all. So anything that like a kid was being fucking weird like oh man you you can't make friends like a normal kid there must be something wrong with you not that you're you know on a spectrum not that you're you know slightly different or you you, you know there's now there's so many well, categories also, of, we of label, person we label everything today 
everything has a reason everybody's add adhd there's borderline personality disorder anxiety depression you know you could have had any one of these things that we we won't really know yeah but do you truly believe that everyone has all of those things today or do you just think that that's an overly diagnosed thing to say i think it's i think it's an underdiagnosed thing a lot of people are still too proud to talk about these things and i think a lot of it i mean this is a whole other fucking can of worms but i think society itself nowadays puts so much pressure on the human brain to do what society wants you to do that it creates these uh breaks in psyche and you know these breakdowns of emotions and, and all this depression is from society in general and the, and the demands of being a certain way, you know, nine to five job, you know, just the, the expectations of being a human, at least in America, for sure, because that's where we yes. live. And so, in family and I, so I, I think I think it's underdiagnosed because a lot of people still have like, you know, you know there's still Gen X people, um, you know, as young as 40 who refuse to acknowledge it or whatever. There's elder millennials who were raised by their um, Gen X fam or Gen uh, was a boomer parents you know what i mean so they were raised a certain way so they're just like i'm a strong man i don't need to acknowledge my decaying fucking I don't know. brain i guess i see it differently because like we didn't used to have a you know a primary like you used to have a primary care doctor and then you might need to go see a counselor or whatever but the levels of care for psychiatric help now like psychiatric mental health nurse practitioners you have licensed clinical social workers you have licensed clinical therapists you have um, psychologist, um, psychotherapist, you have, you know, inpatient, outpatient, you have all of these ways. And I feel because I see it working in an emergency room in a rural area Mm -hmm. that these people literally will, I mean, have, could have 15 mentally, mental health related diagnoses. doesn't mean they're taking their medications for them, right? but at the same time, that could be a monetary issue or it could be just you know yeah people with different stations, better than meds yeah people with different uh, stations in life have different access to medic medicare in general so that's kind of unfortunate but there are also people who understand the rise in psych psychiatry and the diagnosis of things and know that when you are actually suffering from these disabilities they give you some pretty strong meds so they're just kind of hunting for those for that high you know of these these different you know xanax for one or you know things like that you know what i'm saying so it is it's a double-edged sword i guess you could say we're we're overdoing it but we're also under diagnosing i think we're over prescribing and under diagnosing I, I get what you're saying, but underdiagnosing and overprescribing kind of don't go hand in hand because you have to have ICD-10 codes, like well, insurance I mean, companies, all of that kind of stuff. But like what, what you're saying, saying with like they're Xanax, so quick, they're so quick to like here yes, take these, the here take this, take this. Yeah. Thing. Yes, that has become. But the thing is, is like because there's so many different aspects of mental health levels you can see, like there are more drugs being brought to the attentions of people. Like Xanax is a overly prescribed drug, but it's not prescribed now because there's an extended release version, which is not as addicting and it's easier to come off of and it won't kill you when you withdraw from it. Uh, at least there's that. So, I mean, I'm just saying like, yeah. we, we could go on and on for mental health. Yeah, like, it's just, but you know, whatever. Sorry, I'm chewing my blood sugar's up. Hold on. Okay. 
So eventually in 1983, Todd was sent to live with his biological father, who I'd mentioned for earlier he had not mm. seen in eight years. Been a little bit more since then. After his mother separated from his stepfather. So that's the second failed marriage this child has witnessed. He took his father's surname and began working a number of local jobs. He also inherited his father's hobby of collecting weapons and was taught by him to, quote-unquote, blow things up and make bombs. I think it was more like, I'm going to teach you to blow things up and make some bombs, boy. Yeah, but it also could go back to that whole, you know, light and shit on fire and piss in the bed and whatever. Um, also, I just kind of find it weird that there was no relationship and then he's just going to jump into it. Let's make bombs, buddy. But he's just dadding the only way he knows how. Yeah. Blowing shit up. Despite this, their relationship deteriorated due to his father's absence with a number of girlfriends and Todd expressed desires to return to his mother, though she reportedly made extended excuses to extend his stay because, you know, she'd been down that road and she didn't want him. So, clearly nothing was going to save this dude. He was broken, and it didn't seem like anyone cared to fix that. So, he, he was, so this is part of the, just the, his, he's already a risk factor, and then he just has these people that just don't give a shit. It, yeah. It's, this, the dad's busy getting tail, and the mom's not trying to deal with him. And it doesn't really focus a lot on the mom and his relationship, because mm -hmm. it seems like the dads took the primary role, but... Mm -hmm. Something was going on in that household for his mom to have, <clears throat> excuse me, two unsuccessful marriages. And both of those dads didn't really seem to want the child. Neither did she at this point because she's seen what he's done. But, I mean, this does fuck with your psyche. Like, oh, yeah. To, not, to know that one parent doesn't give enough shits to stay in the house with you and not choose random women over you and then the other parent doesn't even want you at the house yeah of course it's gonna fuck with you especially yeah. in 83 he's almost well 86 he was 14 so 12 i mean uh, 12. yeah something like 12, that 12, yeah 12, absolutely on. imagine if we told carter we we're too busy for him like he would he would break absolutely like kids at that age are very yeah. vulnerable absolutely I can't, I can't very formative that. at that time and like carter has two dads and a mom so like i couldn't imagine this same scenario like you stepping out dad not going there me not wanting you know like yeah that's got a really i mean he's your, your a parents child. are supposed to be your parents are supposed to be the the two people if you're lucky enough to have them to who wants you you know what I mean? Like yeah. you can always be like, they're the ones how who love you goes. no matter what. Yeah, a face only a mother could love. Like, yeah, they're yeah. supposed to be the backbone of your confidence, almost. You know what I mean? Like to keep pushing you in a positive direction. But he doesn't have that at all. But again, we don't know what happened to cause right. that. So, right. so on November twenty fifth of nineteen eighty six, Todd was fifteen years old, and he kidnapped a fourteen year old girl in Tempe, Arizona. He threatened her with a 22 cal revolver and brought her back to his house. Once he got her back to his house, he tied her up, taped her mouth shut, and raped her. Afterwards, he walked her back home and threatened to kill her younger siblings if she told any anyone about what happened. I wonder if that like actually works for people because I can promise you I'm going to dime your ass out the second you leave. 
but she smartly did the same thing and Todd was charged with kidnapping, sexual assault, and committing a dangerous crime against children. All right, so there's um, there's a massive jump into this is this is a big leap into big, crime. Yeah, it's yeah. Daddy doesn't like, want is... me. I'm gonna blow shit up with daddy. He doesn't want me. Mommy doesn't want me. And now I'm just gonna go rape and threaten to kill a girl. It makes you wonder, like, did he do it to other people and they actually didn't say shit? We shall see. Okay, but yeah, no, it's just like, um, man, what if? what the and oh yeah i think this is the part of documentary where the dad was like it wasn't my fault um i left him alone the one time and then the one time i leave him alone he lures a girl out of the house and and does this to her Uh, yeah oh he clearly left him alone one time to go out and be with his multiple girlfriends yeah but yeah that's what i I really found that funny in the documentary he's like the one time I, i wasn't home with him and he does this uh bitch please i knew i should have stayed home and taught him how to blow more shit up I mean, honestly, yes. That would have been much better. Yes. Well, it could have led him to blowing people up. We don't know. So, in 1987, he pled guilty to the kidnapping charge, and the other charges were dropped. Because, you know, justice and all. Oh, fuck all that. Yeah. Uh, I just... What the fuck? Was the judge... What was that fucking rapey kid uh, in the white dude from college town who the judge was like you have a bright future ahead of you son like this oh, is yeah, just where he got like six months yeah he's in this fraternity and it was a witness right behind a dumpster yeah 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 yep. the judge is like oh you have a bright future ahead of you. let's not let this one little mistake ruin all that for you so we're gonna yeah we're gonna lessen the charges fuck out of here and an african-american Christ. student didn't even do nearly as bad at the same thing and i believe he got like multiple years it was very whatever Hmm. just but in this case like i'm saying justice and all like they must have he's a child like they're looking at it as he's getting out you know at 18 possibly so like fuck it Hmm. let's just close this case and be done also you know probably had a public um defender and they don't give a fuck no so he was sentenced to 15 years in prison and had to become a registered sex offender according to court records. Todd was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder and was noted as having an above average IQ of 118. I'm thinking he was just on his Adderall that day and he did, or he's a really good test taker because I don't give a shit if your IQ is 6 million, you're still crazy as a runt over dog, my guy. Oh like, yeah, no, I don't think... I. I don't think that's uh, that's funny you bring up uh, IQ because the the next story that I'm telling there was a they also bring up how the the subject was above average IQ. Do you know your did you ever take an IQ test? Yeah, I think I only took it one time and I don't know how accurate it was because it was at the fucking want to say mine because it was in like it was in Hollywood and I was we we're all together as a group and we we're walking by and Scientology guys were out there in front of their buildings like hey come come take this test to see if you have uh stressful thetans or whatever it is and then we'll take you an iq test and we all took it and it was it was fun because it was clearly a vast difference in all of us except for kyle kyle was pretty close okay so this i don't this is why i don't agree with it because my iq 130 and above is very superior it's classified as a genius and there's multiple different things he was 118 which was 110 to 119 on the scales mm-hmm. high average i was 158 
Damn, girl, it's only 132. So I don't believe in those, and I've taken it multiple times. Oh, yeah. No, I don't trust at all. I don't feel like I'm a any kind of genius or anything. Um, maybe well, a little... Uh, I don't think... Again, Scientology building, I think they were just trying to get me in the door. And trying because to like... this is also the, the true test of why I don't believe it. Mine was 158. Einstein's was 160 plus. So, like, not... Mm -mm, nope yeah i might look crazy here in the morning but that's all we got in common <laughs> that is a high number though yeah and i took it three times because i did not believe that yeah i think i think uh that we had one friend who scored like a 96 and i'm like yeah that makes sense <laughs> <laughs> i know someone who scored less than 50 that's actual i said did you even fill out anything <laughs> did you spell your name i think name you get wrong? 50 points for putting your name on it i don't know if they put their name on it <laughs> yeah but no i mean overall it was like a fun experience because like it it hadn't the it, you could be look at someone like yeah okay that makes sense because you know we had a 111 guy we had like a 118 guy and you know um i think kyle was like one blow me i think he had 131 and so that was kind of fun because like I was like, ah, bitch, like, I got one more than you. But no, I, I still we'll don't think it matters. We'll have to check Kyle and see if it's still one below you because I doubt it is. Like, I, I feel like the story will have changed. We'll oh, you think he's going to get above me? I don't think he retook it. I just think he's going to remember it differently. <laughs> no, he remembers that way. I hope. Uh, anyways, <laughs> sorry. Anyways, I just, uh, the point is, it's funny that Scientology gave us all IQ tests and it, I wouldn't believe even though I don't think them. the numbers were like accurate it was funny it, it definitely did correlate to what we thought of our other friends they wanted your money dude yeah absolutely I, I was just in there trying to put my hands on the they wanted the feet you to meter Cruise the stress asses. meter or whatever you, you know what I'm talking about you put your have you ever talked to Scientologists you put your hands on like these rods and like they measure your no I, stress I levels or whatever I don't do that kind of shit yeah well we're just cruising around Hollywood it's fun anyways continue sorry so um the judge in this case said that Todd Colehep was very bright and should be advanced academically, but behaviorally and emotionally, he's dangerous and likely could not be rehabilitated. Let's put a pin in that for later. Wait, so, okay, so the judge said this? Yes. After being evaluated by a psychiatric um, yes. doctor? Yes, but because of his IQ, he is academically advanced but behavioral and emotionally he's dangerous and likely could not be rehabilitated so that means he's given him a harsh sentence and probably put him in a psychiatric ward the rest of his life right just oh, wait till it gets going because <laughs> um so todd's probation officer wrote a similar description in his reports for the court papers and added that he felt todd thought he thought he and always would and, think oh and he thought and always would think the world owed him something mm. which we've talked about you know fucking that mentality people what i don't know it's just it's a joke sorry no what'd you say though i said fucking millennials oh. <laughs> he's not he's, he's gen x he's not like, yeah i get what you're saying like yeah so mm. this is where i don't even begin to understand and I was talking about how his attorney you know is a fucking probably a just one of the case closed but Todd's attorney in that case later went on to say that while defending on him defending him he did not believe that his client would go on to harm others this is a, an attorney 
the same the same attorney who got him just to be to the all the other charges were dropped. He got a plea deal, mm. and now now see here, I think he did not. I do not believe my client would go on to harm others. See, yeah. So I just you know he doesn't feel like he's going to harm people in the future, and I mean as his attorney, what what's he going to say? Yeah, he he's has just to say doing that shit, his job, right? and I'm sure yeah. a defense attorney feels it in their bones that. The, when their clients are guilty, but they still have to stand up there and do a good job. And sadly it ends up bad for all parties when they get off and they're guilty, but that's but they're just doing their job. job. They're doing their job. Yeah. So I get it, but it sucks. And that's just a shitty, I couldn't do it. I could not be a defense attorney and at least, at least be a defense someone. attorney and then, and then go to sleep at night. That's kind of hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably why they look tired all the time. Cause they don't sleep. So. During his imprisonment, Todd started racking up violations almost immediately. Some of those included violent behavior and just being a complete shithead. Shockingly, though, after turning 21, he had no other records of disobedience or violence. Oh, man. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. That's great for he him. He turned 21 and woke the fuck up in prison. Yeah. But Good it doesn't mention that he got a boyfriend, so he could have changed his tune. You know, we don't know. No, no, no. But in August of 2001, Todd Kolhep was released from prison after serving 14 years, and he moved to South Carolina where his mother was living. I bet she was pleased. Yeah. This next part was sort of shocking to me and also really intriguing. Remember how he was a shithead at the start of his imprisonment but suddenly became a jail Jesus at 21? Yep. During his imprisonment, he attended and graduated from Central Arizona College with a bachelor's degree in computer science. Hell yeah. Reformed. I hope he thanked those taxpayers from Arizona for that degree because there are people who have committed a single crime or gone to call or gone to jail on here, out here on the daily, trying to better their lives with college degrees, and they can't get shit. But let me say this very clearly. I am not bitter. No. I have two college no. degrees. No. I have two college degrees, but my mommy and daddy's my mommies and dad paid for those. Yeah. I just think that the education system should be available to everyone, not just supposedly re rehabilitated or deemed to be rehabilitated prisoners for free. So you're saying that we should all at least have the same opportunities as inmates? Yes. Okay. In that but you're not sense, bitter. But you're not bitter. Well, I'm bitter for the people <laughs> who can't get a degree. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit bitter. I just think that that's bullshit. That's taxpayers paying for that. But the people who are paying those taxes to get that for that guy to get that degree, like those I'm people not, can't pay for it. I'm not like all gung ho on like capitalism shit, but I, I am one of those people who didn't go to college and I have a pretty high paying job, you know, decently anyway. Yeah, well, I mean, if I used my actual degree, like maybe I would make more money. But I love my job and. Point being, I can't well, go back I, I, for you another love your job, but I love having money, so you know. Well, I, I mean, I make good money. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I, I could make more, but also, I have a degree, and this is another fucked up education system in the United States requirement. It's looked at back as backtracking if you want to go back for another degree, if you already have a higher degree in a different field. So, yeah, so just just fuck all that and get yourself a trade job, and then you won't have these fees. To, these you I'm know, just going to start slinging snatch on the street. I'll well, let you guys you know. Put on OnlyFans and all that. You would make money, and I I honestly think if the money was right, I'd be like, eh, I can turn a blind eye. 
as long as I get my uh my fast. I work car. in a very 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 public ER. No, yeah, sir. they pay money to see you. That's that's okay. Oh god. As long as I get my fast car, I don't care what you do. That's a damn lie. I mean, I, I you know, I'd, I'd. Oh my be, god, you're such a liar! Now I, you're lying. I'd be upset, and then I'd go hear the of my car, like, oh, okay, I'm good. You know what I mean? You'd hear it as you were running me over. You. <laughs> I'd still have it. I still have it. No, sir. It's a win-win for me. You'd be getting your bachelor's degree in a state prison, so not Mississippi State Prison. It's free. It's free. Not Mississippi. You won't be going there. You don't even have electricity or air conditioning in Mississippi State. Oh, that's true. That there are garbage here. Anyways, sorry. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Um. So, nonetheless, from January two thousand two. To November of 2003, he worked as a graphic design designer for a company in Spartanburg. He began studying at Greenville Technical College in 2003, and the following year, Todd transferred to the University of South Carolina and graduated in 2008 with another bachelor's degree of science in business and marketing. A reformed man, if I ever seen one. He's doing great for himself. I feel Good like job. at this point, this point right here from this is fucking mm -hmm. Wolf of Wall Street type shit. Like this man, is good for him though, man. He's he's out here killing it, you know, all these degrees. Oh yeah, shit. he's killing it for he sure. He certainly is fucking killing something. it. Something. Yeah. It might not be life, but it's something. So despite being a registered sex offender, Todd was able to get a real estate license in on June thirtieth of two thousand six because he lied about oh, okay. the felony charges on yep. his application. Yeah, safe. Safe to have him in an empty home with the key to the home showing yeah women you know younger people a home but he's got two degrees no oh he's God. oh he's reformed he's a smart college he's a college yes. grad yeah he's got yeah. it he's got it going he's fine he's fine it's safe to be in a house with him alone in the middle of uh, for sure several acre property and have multiple places to go and perform these whatever oh, yeah, yeah. Have he wants easy access no to, looking. Yeah. to the keys to whatever empty home he wants in the area yeah fine perfectly fine safe Great. Yes. So he was definitely a person who believed his own lies. And I feel from that lie that he built a firm uh, from that lie, he ended up building a firm with a dozen agents under him. Nice. So it wasn't just him walking around showing houses. He had agents working for him. Baller. He had even been recognized as a top selling agent in the Carolina region. Man, he's fucking killing it. This guy's got it together. But guess what? He Man, lost. Prison. All that after his arrest, which we will get into in a bit. So he, he was fine. Yeah. He was he Wolf of Wall Street for a moment. Up. He had to go he fuck doing, it all up. He was doing Quaaludes and Coke all the time, Wolf of Wall Street style, and then fuck. His Lamborghini Countach. Yep. Driving two miles an hour, hanging outside the side door. <laughs> That's such a great scene. I, it I, is. I love how he's like, per, yeah, he's perfectly normal driving. Then he, he recap and he's all over the road. Yeah. Great, great movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Margot Robbie also. Mm. Anyways, Shut go on. Up. Whatever. Um, Todd also acquired a, pi a private pilot license and several properties out of state during all of that nonsense mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then uh, may yeah. yep pilot's license yep makes sense doing great buddy yeah in may of 2014 he purchased nearly 100 acres of land located in an area nine miles from the community of moore for three hundred and five thousand six hundred and thirty two dollars so he clearly had some moolah that's crazy 
He then set up a fence around the property that cost $80,000. Good, man. You know what? If you're listening to this, don't give up on your dreams. Even if you go to prison for raping a 14-year-old, Truly you can reform, do it. though. Don't rape, yeah. don't murder, but reform. If you're going to prison, just, use, just use your resources. Just pillage. Don't rape and murder. Just pillage. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Pillage the economy. Pillage capitalism for your own benefit. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're giving don't take legal advice from this podcast especially if it comes from his mouth um so a customer who sold her home to cole Hep remembered him as extremely outgoing and professional but noted that he would often talk about his firearms and sometimes subtly used sexual innuendos innuendos during their conversations sounds like a regular american man guns and sexual innuendos when you're trying to sell someone a home or hey, buy whatever works home, i don't think that she didn't really seem he knows his crowd i think he knows who he i knows don't think he face. did because i don't think this woman was one of those crowds he's probably talking to her he meant to talk to her husband then <laughs> <laughs> i think she was older actually so she was probably not in his whatever he he thought he was being charismatic and she thought he was how being subtle it was like <laughs> yeah like <laughs> your butt looks really good in those support hose lady like what the fuck? What, or maybe what he was like, like that uh, sales carsman meme where he slaps the top of the car. Like you fit so much spaghetti in this. Like maybe he slapped the roof of the house and was like, you can fit so many dildos. I don't know. What I don't sex swings. Yeah. Or like this, this counter is so big we could do it. Like oh yeah, all yeah, over it. Well, that's probably more accurate than what I said. What I said was nonsense. But <laughs> it was like yeah, you, you see this right here is the perfect height you know, right up to the crotch area. So you really don't even have to work that much. Yeah, and see the glass door, the front door is glass. Yeah. So like everyone can see in. So this mm -hmm. is perfect. Yeah. Gross, you skis. All right. So anyway, she was disgusted about the sexual news. And a woman who assisted one of Todd's employees described him as angry and condescending towards her partner. He's got all over the place with these attitudes yeah. and whatever's but a banker who worked with Cole Hep said he often watched pornographic videos even at work damn this guy was man, he was just was... doing the damn thing however it seems he like wanted. he has this front like he's so focused on putting this front out there that he's a successful businessman you know venture capitalist and all this shit but you know he he's an awkward son of a bitch he's doesn't know how to interact with other humans yeah, on a personal a looker, level. So, like, oh, he's actually, oh, yeah, yeah, I did see what he looked like. He's not, you're right. Not so, I feel like he does a lot of blow and he just forgets what he's doing or where he's at. So, he, you know, probably opens laptop, turns the sound to 200 and fucking watches porno at work. He probably, it's, he probably thinks it's, it's weird that you don't, honestly. He's like, well, we're all red-blooded Americans. It's good for you. I don't, I don't know. He just, he has no couth. He has I mean, no. I have no qualms against it. I just don't think that work is the place. No, to watch not it. at all. No, nobody should. Especially like if you're not even trying to hide it. Like if he's just like watching it, like feet up on the desk. That's I don't weird. Know. Yeah, that's very weird. I like I said, I just don't think he knows how to interact as a human. He's so busy putting up this front of success that he totally forgot to work on his well, he has skills. no home training we know so yeah he's had to learn and obviously not well as he's gone but todd also frequent frequented a waffle house restaurant in roebuck where shout out waffle house hell yeah yeah where his 
behavior disturbed the waitresses to the point where the male cook began to, to take Cole Hep's orders for them. According to this employee, one of the waitresses was Megan Lee McCraw Coxie, one of Cole Hep's victims. He freaked out Waffle House employees? Yes, listen, don't talk about Waffle House because I, I, I go there, but I'm not going to insult somebody. But Todd was such a cool dude. He was on top of the real estate world. And he liked to hit on Waffle House waitresses to the point where they were creeped out. And that says a lot considering the shit that they see at Waffle House. Yeah. So, of course, he decided the next step was to get himself a motorcycle that he had no clue how to handle. Oh, yeah. Obviously, the next step. I mean, you freak out Waffle House employees who on their application, it says, can you throw hands? And you, if you say no, you're not hired. Like, you have to be can ready for Can you throw hands shit. and how many teeth are in your head? Right. If you have all your teeth, you also can't work there. Um, but it's just like you. No, people... no offense, Waffle House. That was totally a joke. I'm sorry. I love you, Waffle House. No, I, lo- I love fucking love Waffle House. Well, but I mean, it is what it is. Uh, but but I mean, to freak out the waitress, like they do yeah, with so or much any shit. employee, they do, man. And and they the fact that these employees I've seen people have, have a, to bring out a gun in Waffle House for them, like I've seen they, straight up fights like yeah, over like nothing coming across the counter because they're no, I don't know if they ever came across. I never seen anyone come on the counters. Oh, I have. They get bowed in there. <laughs> You're from California. You didn't have Waffle House. We had, we went to Denny's. That's classy. It is. I loved it. Fucking after a show, going to Denny's or after a theme park. You know what a theme park is here you, in Mississippi? You know yeah, what that I know is? What a fucking theme park. We go to theme parks. I don't know if you know you're familiar with those because you don't have them. Here. I've. But we would go to theme me? parks and then and we would have. You know what a concert is at all? Because we yeah. would go to those and then go to Denny's afterwards. I'm gonna knock the shit out of you. I've been to all those things. I used to have a six Flags Not in down the road before Katrina ruined it. But also we that have was in Louisiana. It doesn't matter. Like we don't have theme parks in Mississippi because it's poor. Shit. Yeah, and also Garbage like state. our taxpayers would rather spend it on other <laughs> shit. They don't have a choice. <laughs> I mean, our our political people would rather spend it on other stupid shit, like trying to ban like abortion three more, and like taking three more away prisons. my rights as a female. You know that shit. And yeah, three more and prisons. You know, they put one air, air conditioner in a thirty-six thousand dollar or thirty-six thousand. Yeah, foot, they got they got their um, shit together. It's fine. So good here. So good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so um, him wanting that motorcycle that he couldn't handle led to the brutal event on November sixth of two thousand three. A customer found four people shot dead inside the Superbike Motorsports, a motorcycle shop in Chesney. Chesney? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The victims were identified as owner Scott Ponder, who is 30, service manager Brian Lucas, 29, mechanic Chris Sherbert, 26, and bookkeeper Beverly Guy, 52, who was Ponder's mother. All four died from multiple gunshot wounds. Before Todd confessed to the shootings in 2016. Dang. 2003 to 2016? Yes. Dang. And also, like, he bought a motorcycle like this that he doesn't know how to handle i'm getting into that oh no no i have another point um he was only 32 at this point like you would think that's a midlife crisis type of thing it was because he doesn't 32 and the lifespan of people today is not like it used to be people don't live to be 100 that could be his midlife uh it's usually around mid 40s Hmm. anyways it's still strange like i don't plan on going i'm I'm 32 no i'm 33 you're on the way out i am you're downhill from here so So, not not a good reason to shoot people 
I mean, they made fun of me. <laughs> oh, no, they did? I'll get into this it. This socially but... awkward dude? Oh. So, before he confessed in 2016, investigators believed the gunman, armed with a pistol, entered the shop from the back and killed Sherbert as he worked. He then killed the guy in the middle of the showroom, which I don't know why they called him the guy, and I assume they mean the manager. Um, and then they killed Lucas at the main doorway and Ponder in the parking lot. According to Ponder's wife, Todd was disgruntled was a disgruntled customer who had been in the shop several times. And according to to Todd's mother, he attempted to return a motorcycle there. But the employees laughed at him, would not return the money he had paid for the mo- motorcycle, and embarrassed him for not knowing how to ride one properly. Clearly, all wonderful reasons for a killing spree. I feel like they, I'm sure, I've been in a bike shop. I've never bought a bike, but I've been in, been in there. This is a and mom and pop a, one, too. Yeah, they do have a culture of it. And it's like, I'm sure they probably were like, hey, fella sure you know how to ride that thing and then todd was like yeah he wanted the best that oh he yeah he wanted the biggest and best and yeah. literally the day he got it he realized fuck i can't do this so he tried can't to return it, it yeah, and it's get hard smaller I'll, and that's yeah. when this all started like that's like, why you, a lot of people like you start out with like a 250 and work their way up so they get more and more comfortable with it i'm sure he went straight to like an 1100 or i don't something. remember the exact model but i heard it in a podcast and i didn't want to like plagiarize that but yeah yeah it was just it wasn't yeah so he, tried sure to... he got like the biggest and best like the the top of the line like yes. the most powerful engine and like i said you got to work your way up and these guys are like hey buddy you sure you know how to ride that thing and he's like yeah of course i do come on guy look at me dude come on and then he was like all right buddy you sure and so when he came back and was like i need my money back they're like dude we tried to tell you and there's it's just, there's no refunds you're gonna have to sell it on your own you're gonna have to go and like privately sell it now so he purchased a 2003 Suzuki GSX R750 for $9,000 on That's April a very 16. powerful bike. GSX R? Yes. Yeah. And then he reported it stolen 13 days later and Smart. told neighbors that he suspected the bike shop was involved. Wow. So because they wouldn't take it back. So he went in to try to get a different one, and they were like, fuck you. Yeah, no, not happening. Bruh. <laughs> nice. Um, I wanted to know how much it cost, though. But anyways. You said 9000 Oh, yeah. Wait. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But I maybe it was he was trying to pay the difference for the other one. So anyway, so next in his life of crazy, on August 31st, 2016, Kayla Brown, 30 years old, and her boyfriend, Charles David Carver, 32, went missing after they went to remove some brush from one of Todd Colehep's properties. Carver was later found dead of multiple gunshots on the property. Interest in the disappearance of Brown and Carver increased as a result of posts on Carver's Facebook account following their disappearance, the usual nature of which prompted speculation that another party had taken control of his Facebook account um i've seen this before um yes and do not say anything because this was like i did not realize this was the same case this girl i didn't know that this was the person who did it no in a story we've done already um i oh uh one of the early ones uh, uh dexter killer the dexter killer did this he uh he would kill or tried to kill people 
or the person he did successfully uh, murder, he uh, would log into his account and say that I am happily married and moving to like Singapore or something. And he posted for like a little bit as the dude. Yeah, I've seen this before. It's it's, it's insane. It's an insane oh, fucking well, thing to do. This then, but yeah. No, it's not that. That's what I was saying. It's, it's a different, it's something we have already covered in an episode. I think it was episode five. So on November 3rd, Kaylee Brown was found by authorities chained to the wall inside a metal storage container on the property. And yeah. I remember when this happened and it was like national news it was a huge deal mm-hmm. and just the disgustingness inside of it. But investigators had tracked her down after tracing the couple's last known cell signal. After which they had heard banging noises coming from the inside of the container, a search warrant of Colehead's property recovered Carver's vehicle, which was found in a ravine covered in brush. That's insane. So, like, I just remember them finding, opening that thing, and, like, she hadn't seen daylight in, I don't know how long, but, like, them finding her, and she was just chained to, like, you know, like a cargo pod type thing in the middle of nowhere, like, no AC, nothing, but it was... I just didn't realize until I started researching that that was part of this case and how crazy, like, the dates, the skips, the types of crimes, just he's all over the fucking place. He's all over the place. He would never connect one to the other. Yeah. So, according to Kayla Brown, she witnessed her boyfriend, Charles David Carver, being shot by Colehead. Todd's mother claimed Charles David Carver was killed for having a really smart mouth, which Todd Colehead clearly did not like. He also said that he kept Kayla Brown captive because she didn't do anything wrong and that he did not want to hurt her. So he chained her to a fucking box. Yeah, that's not hurting her at all. Good call, dude. (laughs) However, Kayla stated to the police just after her rescue that Colehep had killed Carver because Todd was mad at her. (laughs) So during her captivity, Kayla was raped repeatedly, but he didn't want to hurt her, remember? Yeah, no. And intimidated not. into not escaping after having been shown the graves of Colehep's other victims. Jesus, what a monster. Man, that yeah. is psychologically brutal. My yes. God. The fear that she must have experienced just not only with the physical attacks, but like thinking like I saw their graves. I don't want that to be me. Like, yeah, and even if you're not insane. like actually seeing like that's... dug up graves, they could just he could just point to a spot, and I'd fucking believe him whether there's oh, someone yeah, there or not. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna question that shit. No, I'm I'm gonna do what I'm told to try to stay alive. As but long I as love possible. how he specified that he did not want to hurt her, but he fucking repeatedly raped her while she was chained to a fucking metal box. And the police said that when they touched it, that it was like so hot that it burned their hands. Yeah, I mean, like I work in a sardine can essentially, and the sides of the ship. When the sun beats down on it, it's um, <clears throat> it's it's hot. Even on the inside, it gets very hot. And I can't imagine the thinner metal like a Connex box. Man, this it must be. A, a, and also, oven how, in there. how was she gonna fucking escape? It had, it was like padlocked from the outside, and she was chained up in multiple different places inside. Like, what, what did he think she was fucking Wonder Woman or something? Like, it's it's a it's a wonder she survived inside that box. It with is limited air, with limited air. And all that, and the heat coming off of it. Like I'm saying, that's yeah. an oven. That and it is... was disgusting in there. I think it shows parts of it in that dock, but just, mm. ugh. Yeah. And the, the, like, you know, she was having to use the bathroom and just, 
Ugh, oh yeah that's another like just unsanitary completely different yeah. infections and stuff that come from that as well i didn't even think about that till just now that's it's another health risk that could easily kill you you know given yeah. the right circumstances but it's just you got to remember he didn't want to hurt her he had a weird way to show up so two bodies were discovered on colehead's property following his arrest on november 6th six to seven it says i guess they worked through the night 2015 they were later identified as husband and wife johnny joe coxie 29 and megan lee mccraw coxie 26 residents of spartanburg who were reported missing on december 22nd 2015 now remember that name she Wait, was the waffle house waitress yeah no, i think you have the wrong i think they were gone missing in 2015 and found in 2016 Wait. Because you have December 22nd, 2015, and then November 6th, 2015. So I imagine that they found them in 2016, almost a year later. Maybe. Hold on. Yeah, um, that's probably right. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that, I really want to say, because I was really confused the dates, too, um, because... It went from like 2003 to 2016. What I remember is 2015 is when they found him, and then or 2016 is when they discovered this shit. Okay, so 2015, Johnny was killed. Our date of this murder was nine, December 19, 2015, and her Megan Lee McCraw Coxie was December 25th or December 26th, 2016. Um, Kayla was found or date of disappearance was august 31st 2016 her boyfriend august 31st 2016 so he showed them her graves okay okay I so i got it yeah that's okay so right. 2016 is when everything starts coming together yeah okay um so johnny had been yeah. killed a week yeah. this um, is the uh the waffle house girl yes mm -hmm. um and her boyfriend or husband no husband yeah because so he had been killed a week um before earlier um by gunshot to the torso and according to the county coroner they were identified through their extensive tattoos so you know that's i don't know how they're they were buried for a hot minute and their tattoos lasted that's, yeah tattoos will last on your skin yeah when you're buried in the ground i thought you would like turn into a skeleton I mean, over time you will, but I think a year is probably not enough. Considering the conditions, there's probably a lot uh, that goes into it. I'm thinking I mean, I'm sure it's possible, but I think considering the conditions, it's they might have got lucky. Okay. All right. Well, I'll take your word for it. Hmm. Um, so that one is November. Okay. So, um, so how do they know? How do they how do they know him though? Like what what led them to meet Todd? he smarted off and was upset um um like no no how did how did these two people megan lee and johnny joe um end up with todd at all like how do they know him they met in waffle house and then they were going to do work on her on his um uh property if you'd let me finish They were hired to do work on his property, but she was the one that he was harassing in Waffle House. And, you know, he doesn't take kindly to 
not getting what he wants, so he probably followed him home and kidnapped him and killed him. Just for the fuck of it. Hmm. So, Colehead was arrested shortly after Brown's rescue. Um, he later confessed to the Chesney shootings and murders of the Coxies in exchange for allowing him to talk to his mother. He give, talked to his mother, give her a photograph, and transfer money to the college fund of a friend's child. I don't understand all that. While meeting with his mother, he reportedly confessed to the killings and kidnappings while he was... Went, when he confessed to the Chesney shootings, Colehep said he shot each of the victims once in the forehead, a detail in the investigation that was never released to the public. Oh, shit. An extensive police search of Todd Colehep's property also uncovered numerous weapons, including 9mm pistols outfitted with suppressors, semi-automatic rifles, and an undetermined amount of ammunition. Because there was no record of a background check under Colehep's name, for the purchase of a firearm, investigators believe he likely acquired the weapons illegally. You don't say. Well, I mean, and his... I'm gonna go off topic for a second, and I'm not gonna shit talk any gun-toting American. And I do support our constitutional right to have them, but you can't sit here for one damn second and tell me that this is okay to live in a country where mentally ill and convicted criminals can so easily obtain an arsenal and just keep it hanging out in the house. It's just amazing to me to think that the lack of shootings that happen in other countries compared to ours, especially ones where innocent children are involved for absolutely no damn reason. That's insane. Sorry. Back to the nutcase yeah. at hand. Um, yeah, I could go on for days about that, but uh, I don't Some of the firearms could be hand-me-downs from his um, dad, maybe. But they're not. We'll get there. Okay, so he did just acquire them any way he could. Um, oh, no, he didn't just anyway. Okay, all right. So shortly following Todd Kolhep's arrest on November 3rd, 2016, authorities in Spartanburg County discovered a number of seemingly joking product reviews for various items such as padlock shovels, tasers, and gun accessories on good old jeffyboysamazon.com. These reviews were written by our user simply known as me. One review about a padlock stated, uh, Solid locks have five on a shipping container. Won't stop them, but sure will slow them down till they are too old to care. Another review was written for a folding shovel that read, Keeping car for when you have to hide the bodies and you left the full-size shovel at home does not come with a midget, which would have been nice. <laughs> so... The reviewer's wish list page was listed as none other than Todd Colehip. Smart. Now, that's clearly a smart man with an old IQ of 118. Yep, smart. What a dumbass. So, after his arrest, Todd Colehip claimed to his mother that there were many other victims aside from the aforementioned. When his mother asked him how many, his response was, Uh, you do not have enough fingers. During his police in interrogation, he claimed to have shot a victim in Arizona, and on November 18, 2016, it was reported to the Tempe, Tempe, Arizona Police Department, that, and they had begun an investigation into Todd Colehep's claim. 
They were started searching through unsolved homicides from the past three decades. They said they would focus on cases dated from 1983 to 1986 when Cole Hepp was living with his father and also between August of, 20, of 2001 when Cole Hepp completed his sentence for kidnapping and November of 2001 when he moved back to South Carolina. Yeah, that's probably a smart thing to do. Just cover all your bases for any time that he was out and about. Yeah. So on November 25th, 2016, police in Greer, South Carolina, announced that they had named Todd Colehep as a person of interest in an unsolved 2003 bank robbery and triple homicide at a local Blue Ridge Savings Bank. No fucking way. This, no. This seems off. This seems this doesn't out of fit. pocket for him. This does, yeah, ab- yes, this is out of so, pocket, Emily. Yes. <laughs> this crime was separated from the Chesney shootings by six months. However, as of May 16, 2018, no definitive link between Todd Colehep and the killings was able to be established, and Colehep has denied any involvement in the case. I feel like a person like this, at this point, considering he was caught for the the people in the containers and the Coxie um, couple, he, he didn't have to tell them about the bike shootings in 2003. I feel like at this point, He's well, just willing to talk out about that, but that what happened. I think that even if he did do the banking thing, he's not ever going to admit to that because right now he's off the death sentences off the table. That's that's capital murder. That's triple whatever many murders in that's seven in with a weapon in the middle of a crime. Like, I mean, there it was a bank yeah, robbery. So, I, just, I still think he's the type to, if he did something awful, he's going to fucking tell you about it. That's, I mean, like I said. But that's what I'm saying. I don't think he's going to say that crime specifically because that would put the death sentence on the table. And he no, I don't think he cares about that. He's, yes, he does. Because he does wants, he? yes. Oh, well, he, he wants seems these like the people type to, to, to keep clout. his name in the public. He is a clout chaser and he is, being alive is how he chases clout. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I guess I think differently because if I'm going to get the chair anyway, I might as well um, have. But um, he's not getting the chair. No, no. I mean, like, I'm I'm in prison for the rest of my life. So, you know, I might as well. Yeah, but you're on death row longer than you might fucking be, be able to appeal. I don't know. I just think that's stupid as shit. And I'd rather him rot in a single. I don't know. Oh, no, you, you know that I'm against the death penalty. I'm saying, like, he's not getting out one way or another. So, I mean, at. If Unless he gets me, reformed by I would, a judge or rehabilitated. Oh, yeah, he's definitely reformed. Uh, no, like he uh, – how, how do I put this? If it were me, I would have – because, again, the 2003 thing, he didn't have to tell them about that. I'm sure Maybe they would have found out, maybe not, because it was an unsolved case, and he probably just came out with it. Which 2003 case are you talking about? The, the uh, shooting at the bike shop, the four people. They connected that because he fucking told people. He boasted That's about how what they were I'm meeting. Saying. That's what I'm saying. He told them about that. It was unsolved until they arrested him and he told them. So at this point, if it were me, I know I'm not fucking getting out anytime soon. I have a long ass record and I just killed seven people. I'm going to um, confess to anything and everything, including a bank robbery, because that just adds to my legend. You know what I mean? So it, well, maybe I'm thinking of it differently than him. Of that bike shot murder that it, it goes off topic or whatever. Like there was DNA mix up and just a lot of like other, but it wasn't him just telling them like 
he was a witness disgruntled company um customer several times like he was a target and a, a suspect from the beginning okay it was not just him going and telling them that like yeah but still 2003 to 2016 is a long time to be unsolved so even if he was a suspect they didn't they didn't come close to getting him until he got caught with something else yeah okay so uh, now i gotta go back to there sorry what are you looking for i'm oh okay in December of 2017, Todd Kolhep wrote to the Spartanburg Herald Journal claiming that he had more victims who had not been discovered. That screams attention seeking so badly to me, like say it or shut up. Yep. But Todd Kolhep was charged with four counts of murder in relation to the Chesney shootings of Scott Ponder, Brian Lucas, Chris Sherbert, and Beverly Guy. He was also charged with one count of kidnapping in relation to Kayla Brown's abduction. He was later charged with three additional counts of murder for the murders of Charles David Carver and the husband and wife, Megan and Johnny Coxey, along with one additional count of kidnapping and three counts of possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. Todd Colehip's next court appearance was scheduled for January 19th of 2017, but that's where Colehip's attorney waived the right to appear. And... According to the report by WLTX, relatives of the Chesney shooting victims filed a wrongful death suit lawsuit against him, and on December 1st, it was announced that Brown, Caleb Brown, the one in the shipping container, also filed a civil lawsuit against him. On May 26, 2017, Todd Colehep pled guilty to seven counts of murder two counts of kidnapping and one count of criminal sexual assault and was sentenced to seven consecutive life sentences without the possibility of parole in a plea bargain that spared him from capital punishment. That's where I was going. He knew all along he t to say the right thing to spare himself. So he would rather spend seven consecutive yeah, life sentences than get cap, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like in the wheelhouse of being a fucking psycho, right? You have these ulterior motives for everything. So, although his defense swore at his sentencing that there were no other victims to be found, Kolhep has since repeatedly admitted that there are at least two other murders. As of August 2018, he has yet to give authorities the details, and I'm sure he never will. This is a game to him. If you want to be a pen pal to Todd, though, he is currently imprisoned in the broad river correctional institution so you can write him look up the address in august of 2020 some of todd kolhep's belongings went to auction and the proceeds were donated to the victim's families and i thought that was the very least they could yeah, do for them good. and circling back to the whole gun situation that brings us to a man named dustin lawson he is, is that accused how you spell his name? yes Oh, that's an interesting way to say it. it's it's not dustin with an i it's it's dustpan with no p yeah, it's D-U-S-T-A-N. Dustan. Dustan. Whatever. He is accused of buying firearms and silencers for Todd Kolhep, despite knowing he was a convicted felon and faced federal charges. Lawson admitted to buying at least 12 guns, five silencers, all from 2012 to 2016, and lying 
to the stores or wherever he's buying, saying they were for himself. In 2018, he pled guilty to 36 federal firearm charges and was sentenced to eight years and three months in prison. Oh. Lawson is serving his sentence at Butner Medium 1 FCI and is scheduled for release on November 12th of 2024. So you can pen pal his dumbass too. I don't know. Like, he didn't kill the people, but he directly attributed to these people's deaths. Like, how is it eight years? Eight years is not enough. Because That's what I'm it, saying. Yeah. That's not a long time. He like, like, again, he didn't pull the trigger. But what's the difference? He he knowingly bought because these weapons Because he can say felon. that he did not know that he... he knew. No, I'm not saying he didn't know. I'm saying that's how the, the justice system that we have works. He bought the guns, yes, knowing they were for, but Homeboy also like hunted and blew shit up and all of that kind of stuff. Like he yeah, didn't, yeah. and even if he did say, hey, I'm going to go kill these people, it's not like that dude's going to tell people in court, hey, he told me he's going to kill them, so I bought them some guns. Yeah, that'd be the dumbest shit he could ever say. <laughs> yeah, so while I chose this story based on the Amazon review aspect, I learned that this fucker was a lot more crazy than I was led to believe. Also, remember, kiddos, everything they put on the internet will be there forever and can always be traced back to you, especially if you name your Amazon killer review list after your fucking name. Yeah, you got to get that. Uh, what's that called? The. Um, uh, what's the thing I'm looking for? The Just IP address, don't post uh, shit on the internet you don't want other people to see because the second it's there, it's there forever. I don't care yeah. how. What it is, it's there forever. Use your throwaway accounts at least. No, don't even do that. If you don't want it on the internet and the world to see it, don't post it. Yeah, just use your throwaway account. Use your VPN. Uh, make it hard at least for them to catch you. It'll get caught regardless. I'm yeah, it'll take them longer though. Give you time to run away. Well, what VPN is your OnlyFans on? Maybe you can share it with our listeners. I, I don't know. Oh, you already forgot? Mm hmm All right. Well, um, that's it, boys and girls. Thanks for tuning in. We missed Will. Um, I would have loved to hear a lot of the reactions to some of this from him. Yeah. Some, yeah. But he'll hopefully be back next week. And uh, next week we have a very special guest um, to talk about a story that's near and dear to my heart. And um, it's a huge part of my uh, childhood, I guess you could say. But, um, yeah, that should be fun. But Mexican? Emily. No, it's not. It's not Mexican, surprisingly. But Who's Emily. Yes. Oh. So you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bloodthirsty Times. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter at Bloodthirsty Pod. And you can email us at bloodthirstypod at gmail.com. And we would really like to hear from you guys. Give us a listen, share our post, and comment. And let us know what you'd like to hear us talk about next. Bye. See you next week.